So before you ask why I did not dress up in beachwear, this is the most beach thing I own. It's got it's got a wave on it. So okay, thank you. Okay, hopefully it doesn't choke me. Okay, so tonight we are here to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you hear the word gifts, um, I don't know what your brain does, but my brain goes to those boxes that are under the tree with like a ribbon on it, right? And um, has anybody ever just really had a Christmas present and like they really, really wanted? Anybody had one? It's okay. Everyone does. You don't have to pretend like, no, I'm not materialistic. I've never wanted anything in my life. Okay, like, yeah, you, you want things. And, and here's the thing that I try to teach my children, but I do it very unsuccessfully. Um, that thing you wanted really, really bad, my, the, the first one that I remember that I really, really wanted was this G.I. Joe Cobra base. And it was like this big circle toy, and I got it, and it was awesome, and then I broke it. And then it disappeared, and like I've never thought about it again until like now. And then I went through a stage where like the love of my life was baseball cards, okay? Now I know baseball cards aren't as cool now as they were like in the 80s and 90s. I loved baseball cards, and I really liked to have all of them. Right? I wanted to have all of the Cal Ripkins. I know you don't know who that is. I wanted to have all of the Barry Bonds and all of the Ken Griffey Juniors. And I spent so much money, and I would ask for those for Christmas. And I remember even one year, I really wanted this Jerry Rice rookie card. Okay, And I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Well, at least I didn't think that I had gotten it. Because my parents didn't wrap it, and they just stuck it in the tree. And it was green, and so they just waited on it, right? And like at 8 o'clock that night, I found it. And I was so happy. And it's now sitting in a box. And it's been sitting in a box for like 25 years. It's a pretty good idea. Maybe I should trade it for that gift card you won. That might, that might be something good. So... Do you see where I'm going with these gifts? Like we want it really, 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 really bad and then we get it and we, we, we have it for a little while and it's satisfied. I remember the first time I wanted a video game more than life itself. Okay, I wanted Tecmo Super Bowl. Okay, I wanted it so bad because it was the first time you could play with all the teams. It didn't have Carolina and Jacksonville. Do you know why? They didn't exist. Okay? I know. Okay? And I got it, and I played it, and guess what? My Nintendo doesn't work anymore. All these gifts that I wanted so bad, they go away. But what we're going to talk about tonight, these gifts, this is something that's only going to expand, increase, and bring you more joy for the rest of your life. And so we're going to be in one passage tonight. If you have a Bible, or if you want to look it up on your device, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we are going to start in verse 4. Because what I want to do tonight is I want to help you unpack, unravel, and understand gifts, the gift of the Spirit that will keep on giving for the rest of your life. Okay? You get 
gifts of the Spirit when you are a believer. You do not have to ask the question, am I going to get one? You don't have to be like, but what about me? This is something that comes when you are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You get a gift. And starting in verse 1, Paul wants to make sure you understand this, right? He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Okay? He wants them to know what this is going on because they're going to have it. And then we're going to jump down to verse 4 and it says this. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Now there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So I want you to see this. The first thing it says is that there are many gifts. Okay? There are many gifts. Okay? And depending on who you are, you're going to have a different one. And yours is not going to look like his, and his is not going to look like hers, and hers is not going to look like hers, and that's just the way it works. There are many gifts. But then he says this, there's the same spirit. So while each and every different person might have a different gift, it all comes from the same spirit. Now, I know that just is really easy to read, and it's really easy to write down, but I want you to think about how unimaginable this is. There is one spirit, and I have that spirit living and dwelling in me, and each and every one of you who believe in the name of Jesus has that spirit dwelling in you. And every person who is living in this city and in this state and in this country and in this world who trusts in the name of Jesus has this same spirit. It's because he is omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time, and he is in you, and he gives many gifts to believers, but he is the same spirit. And then it says this, there are varieties of service, okay? There are varieties of service. You guys know this. When you come into Surge, when you come into church, when you go into the mall, when you go into any place in your life, there are many different types of ways that you can serve and be served, You don't have to do the same one. We all can't do the same job, but even though we can't all do the same job, it makes sure to tell you that it's with the same Lord. You see, no matter what type of service you find yourself doing, you are doing it in the name of the same Lord. So whether you are serving at 10th and Urish, or whether you're serving in Kansas City, or whether you're serving in Bucharest, Romania, we're serving in a different place, but you're serving the same Lord. And then he says there's a variety of activities. Okay, There's a variety of ministries. You could serve inside the church. You could serve outside the church. You could serve in your school. You could serve in your home. There are so many different places that you can do this, but he wants you to understand that it is the same God who empowers you all. Why is this important to Paul? It's important to Paul because of verse 7. Or not verse 7, verse 6. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay? And so here's something I just want to tell you real quick. We are unique, and yet we are united. Okay? You are unique, 
but yet you are united. And so what am I trying to communicate to you with that sentence? There is many types of gifts. There are many types of services. There are many types of activities. And God has given you a particular set of experiences, skill, personality that makes up who you are. You are special. You are unique. You bring something to this world that no one else can bring. However, that doesn't make you better or worse than anyone else because we are all united. No matter what your gift is, and there's many of them, no matter what your service is, and there's many of them, no matter what your activity or your ministry is, because there's many of them, it all comes from the same Spirit, from the same Lord, and the same God. And so we don't have to go around trying to figure out whose gift is better. We don't have to go around trying to figure out who's doing it better, who's wearing it better, who looks better, who sounds better. Because everything that we have to offer this world is not from us. It is from the same Spirit, the same Lord, and the same God. You are absolutely unique, but all that does is unite us. So why is this important? I want to explain some gifts like Paul does here in just a moment. Okay, Why? The first thing is that our gifts are for the common good. It says in 1 Corinthians twelve seven, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The reason that we are united in gifts is because we are all united for a purpose that is larger than ourself. We have gifts for the common good. We have gifts so that we can go out and be a blessing. We don't have gifts so that our lives are better. We are not given gifts so that the blessing will end in us. We are given gifts so the blessing may be passed through us to someone else. And this is why it is important for us all to realize that we're united. To, for us all to realize that we are one body who is doing this together. Because it's not about you, and it's not about you, it's not about you, it's about us. And God gives gifts to a body so that we may minister to each other and then go out and minister into the world. And then he talks about some of these gifts. He says this in verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So we have the same spirit in, in, in us, and in some people that looks like wisdom, and some people look, that looks like knowledge. So what's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? I had to go look that one up myself, and this commentator talked about wisdom being an understanding of the deep things of God and being able to look at the scriptures and understand what's going on there and to have this deep relationship with God where you understand that. Knowledge, he said, is more of a being able to take some of the things that you've learned to be able to apply those things in your life, being able to use those things for God's glory because you kind of understand how things work. But it's the same spirit. And in one believer, 
it looks like wisdom. In another, it looks like knowledge. Still, in another, it says this, to another, faith by the same Spirit. Have you ever had that, like, steady, eddy friend? That friend that doesn't get too up or too down, but in the midst of something really hard, he's still able to trust that God is there and with him, and we're going to be able to walk through this together? I know I have one in my life. His name's J.D., No matter what goes on, good or bad, J.D. is right there. He has this gift of faith that I can just hold on to. But that's from the Spirit. It says, to another the gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. Now, we're going to start getting into some gifts here that are kind of not as normal, right? When was the last time you saw a healing? Well, I I don't know if I've ever walked into a place where I've seen someone pray and instantly someone was healed. But I know it happens. And I know that there are people all over this world who have been diagnosed with cancer and all sorts of things, and God heals them. Maybe he heals them sometimes through doctors. Maybe he heals them sometimes through medicine that people create that are able to speak to a problem and work on a problem. Then what about miracles? I had my worldview on miracles just shocked one day. I had two friends, and they were talking to each other, and they were telling their, 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 their Jesus story, right? And so one said, hey, tell me about the time where you met Jesus. And this guy was telling a story, and it was about drinking and fights and just all of these things. And I was bad, and I knew it. And God came in, and he pulled me out of that. And he has done this transforming work. And I I was close to not being in this world anymore. And here I am in seminary trying to be a pastor. And it was like, wow, what a cool story. And he goes, hey, friend, tell me your Jesus story. My friend's kind of like, yeah, well, my, my story's not as cool as that. And, um, yeah, so my parents, um, my parents were believers, and I went to church, and, you know, when I was really little, I trusted in Christ, and, you know, I've kind of been walking with him most days, and I do some really bad things sometimes, but, you know, God, I know that I have forgiveness in Christ, and I'm just trying to figure this out, and my story's not as cool as yours. And my friend who had walked through all that junk said, what are you talking about? I would kill for your story. Don't you understand that you were dead? And Jesus made you alive. What's more miraculous than that? We gather here every April or March and we celebrate what holiday? Easter. Easter. And what do we celebrate at Easter? And what happens? Jesus was and he becomes... And the Bible says that when we're in sin, we are, and then we become. And so when you walk someone down that line of faith, and they are dead in their sins and trespasses, and all of a sudden they see the light of Jesus, and you have walked that with them, what have you just done? Well, he makes them alive, but you've just been part of a miracle. We have these gifts, and it's nothing I do, and it's nothing you do. It's the Spirit of God in our lives. And then it says, to another prophecy. And that sounds like really kind of scary. But most times in the Bible, prophecy is not telling the future. It's telling the truth. 
And sometimes God has given you a special way to look at what's going on in someone's life and to tell them the truth and about what will happen to them if they don't get off that path. And then to another, an ability to distinguish between the spirits. And that sounds a little weird. How do you distinguish between the spirits? Well, one thing, when this was written, the spiritual world was a little bit more talked about. In fact, when Paul writes Ephesians, he, taught, he does like a whole chapter on spiritual warfare. And he reminds them, he says, brothers, our fight is not with flesh and blood. It's with the prince of the power of the air and these angels and these demons. And we've got to put on spiritual armor to get ready for it. But we don't talk about that much. But I guarantee you, we still need to be able to distinguish between what is good and what is evil. I had a meeting that I had to go to a couple of years ago, and it was without a doubt the worst meeting I've ever been in in my entire life. And I knew it was going to be bad going in. Just knew it. And so I had this big fear. And my big fear was that I was not going to understand what was happening in the room. That I wasn't going to know whether this was good or this is bad. And so I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I went into that meeting And if I thought it was going to be at an 8, it was at like a 12. It was horrible. I just got thing after thing after thing after thing. And I walked out of that room so defeated. And I walked away and I had to do a couple of things and I got by myself. And I I think I actually looked at the sky and I'm like, what was that? I mean, I was mad. And then it hit me that he showed me exactly who they were. I got exactly what I had prayed for. I had been scared that I wasn't going to understand. I had no, no doubt when I walked out of that room who they were. And I was like, thank you, God, for answering my prayer. Now, it wasn't fun, but he did it. Sometimes we need the gift of being able to distinguish between good and bad. And then it says, to another, the interpretation of tongues. And that just gets weird, right? We hear that word and we go, whoo, I don't want to touch that. Well, last year we talked, or last year, last week we talked a little bit about tongues. And the way tongues originated in the Bible was that you would be able to hear something and be able to interpret it. Sometimes you could interpret it or you could speak in a language that other people would hear. Or sometimes you would be able to speak something like you were getting a word from the Lord and someone had the gift right there to interpret what you were saying so that the body could be edified. And edified means that you would be like made better, that you would be like fed by it. Well, I, I'm not going to lie. I, just like I've never seen a healing, I've never seen someone speak in tongues in a biblical way. But here's the one thing I don't want to ever do, is say God can't do something anymore. God is stronger than I am, and if he wants to use someone in this way, who am I to say that he can't? Now, it's not the normal experience for us, but this is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God comes into believers, and he empowers you. And he empowers you for wisdom or knowledge or faith or healing or miracles or all of these things. And this is just one list. There's another list in Romans chapter 12. But he concludes this list by saying this little verse. He says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Here's what I need to tell you about gifts. 
the gifts that you have are not your choice. Now, I understand that we live in America, and America is a free country, and you are not used to being told that you don't get to have a choice. I know when it comes to gifts, we're used to making a list that we write out for Santa so that Santa could come and deliver us all the toys that we want. Okay. But I need to tell you tonight, because I don't want to lie to you, that your gifts are not your choice. How are they given? Look at that last verse. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit that come from the Spirit, and He apportions to each one individually as He wills. The Spirit comes in and He looks at each believer, and He has a plan for each believer. And to some he gives the gift of administration and some he gives the gift of leadership and some he gives the gift of, um, my words just got lost, of, of teaching and some he gives the gift of evangelism. And he has all of these things that he comes in and he gives to you and he bestows them in you and he grows them in you. But this can do something bad in us. We can look around and we can say, you know what? I want that one. My life would be better if my gift looked like that. I would have a much better life if I had that gift. And that does a couple of things in us. One, that is us telling God that his plan wasn't good. And I never want to be in a spot where I'm telling God his plan isn't good. And number two, it creates dissension. It creates division. It creates envy and jealousy and all of these things that aren't healthy. And so we have to learn that our gifts are not our choice. And to illustrate this, Paul starts telling a story. And I'm not just going to read the story. I'm going to try to explain the story. He says that we are a body. And so this individual expression right here, we are a local body of Christ. This group, Surge, you are this little group that meets here on Wednesday nights, and you are a body. And a body is made up of lots of parts. So you can see my, some of, like, you can, you can see my hair, and you can see my eyes, and you can see my nose, you can see my mouth, you can see my ears, you can see my chin, you can see my neck, you can see my arms, you can see my torso. Okay, I got legs, I got feet under my shoes, I promise I do. Okay, I got those things. And then there's things you can't see. You can't see my blood, and you can't see my bones, you can't see my muscles. Okay, you can't see the tendons and the ligaments and all those things. But it all makes up one body. And when all of the parts of my body are working together and they're all doing exactly what they're supposed to do, I can look at that door and I can walk toward that door and I can get there and it feels good getting there because everything is working the right way. And he says when we fight over gifts, when we don't like our gifts, it is like our eyes saying, I'm tired of being eyes. I don't want to be eyes anymore. You see all the stuff I have to look at? 
I don't want to look at any of that stuff. I want to be a mouth. Because mouths get to taste buffalo wild wings. And I want to be a mouth. It sounds really silly, right? And then imagine the ears going, I don't want to hear anymore. I don't want to be ears. Do you imagine all the stuff I have to hear? I don't want to be ears. I want to be a mouth because I want to put ice cream in my mouth. Now, have you ever seen that meme of like the face where they replace all the parts of the body with mouths? Isn't that terrifying? Now, on top of just being terrifying to look at, can you imagine if all those mouths tried to talk at the same time? Now picture a body of believers that everyone just wants to do the same thing. No, I'm going to sing the song. No, I'm going to sing the song. No, I'm going to sing the song. No, I'm gonna, who's going to teach the children? No one wants to teach the children. I want to sing a song. I want to sing a song. Are we going to accomplish anything? No, because we are created to be a body and all of us have to work together. Our gifts were never supposed to cause division. The way God has gifted you and the way that God has gifted me are not supposed to cause any problems. He addresses this in 1 Corinthians. He says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, with which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be, may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So what does this mean? I... Um, I never thought I was going to be a teacher. Okay? I just never did. Um, I don't know if you guys would know this about me, but I am very much an introvert. And I have been shy my entire life. Okay, And I remember when I got, for some really, 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 really dumb reason, I decided to become vice president in my fraternity. And I, just, I, I don't know why I did that. And then they told me I had to open our meetings in prayer. And I wanted to crawl into a hole. Okay, for some reason, because it looked good on a resume, I wanted to be the treasurer of my senior class. And then I had to present something at the end of year rally, and I just shook the entire time. Because I've never been comfortable in front of people. And then I wanted to be a pastor. And I went to seminary, and they made me take a preaching class. And I have a video of it. Okay, now, my first sermon, what are these? Here's what I do with my elbows. I'm not kidding. I locked them right here, and I moved my arms like this for the entire message. Now, you know what's really awkward? Is watching this video now with my professor's voice dubbed over it saying, Why are your arms in a box? To which the answer of why my arms were in a box is because I was scared to death to be in front of people. But see, God had a plan for me that I was going to use my gifts in this way. 
And this is how he has equipped me to be useful in the body. But here's the thing that is um, very visible to me now. I get done with doing this, and I go out in the lobby, and people come up, and they're like, hey, that was really good. Thank you. Hey, thanks for using your gifts that way. Hey, thank you for doing this. And that, that's awesome. Like, I'm, I'm glad that we can serve in this way, but here's the things you don't realize. You see these up here? I don't know how to do that. Okay? Like, literally, I didn't make those. Amy made those. Okay? Okay? Last Sunday, I had to do the announcements. Okay? Apparently, when I use a handheld mic, I start here and end here. Okay? Why? I don't know. But last week, my friend Carrie was back there doing the sound. And she sent me a thing that said, hey, Brian, could you please try to keep it close to your face? And I told her I was going to mess with her, and then I didn't try to mess with her. But you know what I did? As I was doing the announcements, I brought it down here again. But here's what it does to Carrie. You see, she has to adjust the volume. And if she adjusts it too much so that you can hear my voice even when it's down here, it's going to go, and if she doesn't adjust it enough, my voice goes from being this loud to being really soft because you can't hear it because it's too far away. And you guys have no idea that the reason you hear anything good is because someone up there is doing it. You see, when you walk into this church, when you walk into any place where people are serving, there's things that you see, but there's those parts that he talked about that are more honorable. You don't know who's doing the lights or the sound or the lyrics. Do you know who's doing the greeting? Do you know that there's a lady out there, my friend Jenny, who's out there to receive anyone who walks out during the middle of a message? And that she comes on Tuesday nights to work with married couples, and she's not even their last thing. She's just their holding tank until they can get put in a group. There are so many people that I get to know their names, and I get to see what they do, and I understand how beautiful they are. And I understand how much it takes to do something like this. And so never think that, oh, I want that job, or I want that job. Because whatever job God has given you, whatever gift he has given you, he has given it to you to make us one. This church doesn't need 200 David Hinkles. This church, David's one of my best friends. This church doesn't need 200, you pick a name. Sure. This church needs each and every one of you. Why? Because if you are in here, and I know you're in here, I don't know why I say that, but you're a person who has been created in the image of God. Every one of you. It doesn't matter where you're from, what you've done, what you've gone through, what you look like, what you smell like. It doesn't matter how well you read, how well you write, how well you sing. If you can play an instrument, no, what matters is that God made you in his image to look like him and to reflect him into a world. And he has given you individual personalities, gifts, and experiences that you're going to use to bless him and to bless this world and this church and to bless his kingdom. And you've got to find out what that is. So how do you do that? Well, you start looking. What do I mean by that? You jump in and start serving somewhere. I don't know. I didn't know what my gift was when I was 13. I just knew I signed up for VBS. 
I helped with VBS, and then I helped with VBS, and then I started helping with a kid's camp that happened in a different part of town, and then I started being a counselor at camp, and then I had a very definitive moment where I was doing that type of ministry, and I didn't find the life in it that I had, and I knew it was time to try something else. I went and tried something else and tried something else, and then I I got an invitation to work with children's ministry. And I didn't think I was going to do children's ministry, but I took the invitation. And two years later, I moved to Topeka, Kansas, doing children's ministry. And I did children's ministry for years and years and years while God was still growing and developing things in me. And the first time you try something, you're not an expert. I will show you my videotape sometime to prove it to you. Just because you do something and it doesn't go well, that doesn't mean anything. That means you have to learn And you find someone and say, hey, will you come watch me? Will you come coach me? What do you see in me? And people will begin to affirm, I see kindness in you. I see faithfulness in you. I see wisdom in you. I see an ability to lead in you. I see an ability to serve in you. You play the guitar really well. You sing really well. Did you see the way that you held that door and you made that kid feel welcome? And we need all of you so that we we may be one. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for um, your word. And thank you that it is true. And I thank you for the teaching of your servant Paul, who you spoke through so that we could understand what you're doing in us. Father, I pray pray that as we go to our groups that we would be willing to engage with one another that we would be able to answer some questions about the way that you've wired us about the passions that you've given us, the experiences you've had us through and Father that we would take it seriously that if we are a follower of Christ that you have given us a gift Father I pray that we would look for it that we'd find it, that we would grow it Father, I pray that we would plug into areas of service all over this church and this city. Father, that it wouldn't stop when we graduate, that we would go to college, go to our works, our places of work, that we would continue to grow and develop and fan into flame that which you have put into us. And Father, I pray that for these students here tonight, that tonight might be the first time that they realize that they are beautifully and wonderfully made and that they have a gift that you want to pull out of them, grow in them, build in them, so that they look, might, might look more like your son and follow him faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.